Disclosure. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, any and all information presented in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making any decision. What is up again, everyone? Got another little pod for you guys today. So today I have on Aaron Edwards and then also Josh Olschwitz. Josh, hopefully I got that right. (laughs) So don't get mad at me. But uh, Aaron is head of intermediary sales at Valkyrie. Josh is head of research at Valkyrie. Valkyrie is a crypto asset manager. They do... Uh, ETFs, SMAs, hedge funds, so they kind of cover the whole spectrum. So super excited for this one. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. And we are live, guys. Aaron, Josh, what's up? How you doing? Good, good. Good to see you, Ben. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm excited uh, to get into this podcast today with you guys. So real quick, uh, for everyone listening out there, I have Aaron Edwards and Josh Olschwitz. Uh, Olschwitz. Oh, Did I get that right? That's correct. You know, here's, there's okay. a funny thing. Aaron's last name is my middle name. So, oh, no way. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so Aaron is, uh, if I remember correctly, Aaron, head of intermediary sales at Valkyrie, right? That is correct. Right. Yes. Cool. And yes. then Josh is head of research at Valkyrie. And Valkyrie is overall a crypto DeFi investment manager. Uh, you guys do a number of things, but maybe I'll just pass it to you guys and you can give me a little background and take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. So at 30,000 foot level, um, Valkyrie is one of the largest asset managers here in the United States in the crypto world. We marry, um, the unique thing that we do is marry uh, old world, you know, traditional finance. Um, most of the guys that started this company came from Guggenheim, which I actually have a history of Guggenheim as well. Um, so lots of deep macro and bond experience with uh, crypto natives, such as Josh. Um, that uh, really understand crypto and been in since the very beginning days. Uh, Leah, our CEO, is one of those as well. Um, how I got into the space? Well, let me give you a little bit of background on me. I've been into I've been in the either wholesaling or distribution of financial services business for the last twenty five years. Um, I spent uh, about a decade with Guggenheim. Um, I moved on from there most recently with. Uh, uh, First Trust, left First Trust to run distribution for Valkyrie. We have some very unique products coming out for the intermediary space, which we'll get to later. But uh, this this is a um, untapped universe, as you well know, Ben, um, in the intermediary space. It was just non-accessible unless you kind of went and did it on your own. And we're looking to change that. So um, I'll I'll stop there and I'll I'll pass it over to Josh on on his history. Cool. Sure. Yeah. So I got into into Bitcoin early in 2013. Uh, Got it real uh, early. <laughs> real early. Uh, what, what really s- sealed the deal for me and is what I hope seals the deal for many people in this bear market. Uh, obviously, price was going hog wild at that time, but it was uh, this hearing in front of Congress, in front of the US Congress, saying, like, this isn't just for bad people. <laughs> normal, normal people use this stuff, right? Yeah. This, this isn't just for criminals and whoever else. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a this is a new technology. This is an emerging technology. We need to take this seriously, and that was what the uh, hearing was about. Um, so ever since then, I just 
I don't know what it was, honestly, other than uh, just the new, the newness of it and the ability to interact with anybody in the world globally, 24 seven, whenever you want, whatever you want, there's no intermediary. There's no uh, third party telling, you no. Uh, any, any, anything you want to do, you can do it. Right. Uh, so that there was a huge draw for that uh, at that time. And there's continually been moments globally where we've seen the need for this type of technology. So I got in 2013, went full-time uh, around 2016. And then um, previously I worked at a prop trading firm. I've done research uh, for them as well previously. And then I started with Valkyrie in January. I've known Leah for our CEO many, many years now. So okay, that's nice. how connected. Nice, cool. Um, well, thank you both for those intros. I mean, maybe let's let's wind it back to kind of how Valkyrie got started. You know, what was the initial idea? And then maybe just get into what is it that you guys are up to currently? Like how can advisors, you know, work with Valkyrie? What does that look like? Josh, since you were here before me, why don't you handle that first part? And then I'll, uh, I'll handle the, uh, the FA part. Yeah. So how do we, the big thing was, how do we get crypto to, to a, adults in the room, you know, um, how do we, <laughs> like, like Aaron sort of said in the opener, how do we service, um, institutions or how do, how do institutions access yeah. this stuff? Um, originally I think it was mainly oriented towards ETFs. That's changed, uh, a little bit as far as our product focus, um, just because of honestly, regulatory reasons, you know, if you look yeah. at the regulatory hurdles for a spot Bitcoin ETF, for example, um, that just, for, and for advisors who might not be aware real quick, um, Josh, what is like the main regulatory hurdle, um, or main couple that you see as far as that spot Bitcoin ETF goes? Yeah. So I think the main concern is the current U S regulators, specifically the sec, uh, takes issues with the spot market and how it is, overseen or how they have their ability to oversee it. Um, the interesting thing here is that we have a futures ETF, which is based on the spot market. Yeah. So it, yeah. it kind of, kind of doesn't make sense to many people because they're, they, they're looking at the same data effectively. Um, over the years, these exchanges have tried to do like self-regulatory organizations or tried to, um, you know, get together and say, look, this is what we need to do. It's not like they're unregulated. Uh, they're just not regulated to the degree at which I guess that uh, the SEC wants them to be. Yeah, uh, I think Tether was a big issue previously. Bitmax sure. was another issue previously. Bitmax was a, a derivatives exchange that has been since fined and sort of like dealt with. Right, Tether has uh, <laughs> fixed many issues. Um, not not all the issues for many people, but it's fixed most of the issues that they had yeah um, so these are these are the kind of the inputs that we, we that i think the sec wants to see they, they sort of want to see tether um fully above board in all respects tethers it's a stable coin um bitmex is pretty much gone out of the picture now so that's kind of you don't need to worry about that and then the last thing would be the spot markets and uh, volume specifically is what they're talking about how and why we need to change anything there i'm not so sure but these are the things they're looking at uh, as gotcha. far as trying to get get an ETF through. Cool, cool. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, Ben, but we, uh, you know, there was another declination today at the SEC uh, at the SEC level. I think it was Wizardry, right, Josh? Yeah. Um, 
that uh, was declined again for a spot ETF. You know, listen, we're okay, those are yeah. competitors of ours, but uh, at the end of the day, a rising tide lifts all boats, and the hypocrisy that you can get, you know, three times levered ETFs on the long and the short side is uh, is quite rank, right? <laughs> you can do some <laughs> you can do some wild stuff in ETFs these days. <laughs> Um, <laughs> single stock levered, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, uh, to say that Bitcoin is too, uh, too risky is, uh, kind of fraught with some hypocrisy, but well, yeah, there was another, um, piece of news that I caught on the Wall Street Journal too. BNY Mellon is apparently, um, custodying Bitcoin alongside their more traditional asset classes on a single platform. I don't know if you guys caught that. Um, just saw the headline, didn't dig into the details, but apparently they're the largest, bank to do so yet yeah i think Josh, that really, you want to take it yeah i was just gonna say that stuff like that you know to crypto people crypto natives it's like okay cool but yeah i think to institutional folks in tradfi yeah it starts to change heart change hearts and minds of people right you yeah. have like you have warren buffett saying we're rat poison or whatever and then you have james <laughs> diamond sort of changing his tune you know so things things are slowly shifting now we have bny mellon which is like what one of the oldest banks in the u.s uh, the oldest get, at least okay. according to wall street journal so it doesn't get more institutional than that um, yeah. we had blackrock a few weeks ago announcing uh, a coinbase partnership with aladdin and access there so none of this stuff i don't think is going to move the needle in a bear market but it's in a bull market, it's going to completely change the game because the access there, um, including our products, obviously, but <laughs> the well, access there is going to is going to change how yeah. we interface uh, at an institutional level. For sure. So, I mean, we kind of went we veered way off course there, but um, to kind of bring it back, uh, you know, you guys kind of started Valkyrie, kind of focused on ETFs, and then you know, continued story sounds like are focused on some other things here. That's right. So I'll take that one, Josh. Yes, we, we started, we were actually the second provider by about four days um, in that in that spot futures ETF okay. market. In fact, we actually should have been first. There's some, I won't bore you with all the details, but <laughs> we should have been in front of ProShares. We were actually four days behind. Um, so we were the second one to come to market with a futures ETF. Okay. Um, and that is the BTF. Uh, that is that is still available through through Valkyrie, and you can get it on many different platforms. Um, I, I think the big game changer is going to be the you know the spot ETF that is going to provide you know the access that you know you kind of got through GBTC, but it was inefficient because of the, the premiums and discounts, et cetera. It was very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, the the ETF solves a lot of those problems, and in the meantime. Um, what we want to do is provide access to those advisors that want to be able to participate with their clients um, and give them true exposure to the asset class, whether that's Bitcoin, Ethereum, or um, a managed group of tokens, mm -hmm. where they actually custody those assets. They hold them um, through a, a respected custodian, in our case, it's Gemini, um, and, and they have professional management. The, the biggest problem for financial advisors as I talk to them is that they understand the alpha that can be driven in this space, especially yeah. in bull markets, right? That's that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah. The problem that they don't want to be confronted with is crypto winners. They don't want to have to be experts in this. So they got enough things going yeah. on, right? They got they got equity and bond portfolios to manage. They got a, a potential looming recession coming up. Um, I don't want to have to worry about when to get in and out of this asset class. 
Yeah. And that's where we took a unique approach. We said, listen, we, we understand that you want a turnkey solution. And actually, this was from the moment I came here, Josh and I started getting together on a building a turnkey solution. And that's that's what we've come up with. So we, we have three different SMA products where you can own Bitcoin and USD. Uh, you can own Bitcoin and Ethereum, US dollar, you know, where we will manage your risk for you. So we, these are all risk managed portfolios. And then we will also uh, do a multi-coin, which is basically our best ideas with uh, U.S. dollar as well. So they're long only slash U.S. dollar. Um, The idea is to participate in the ups and limit the downs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what what does your average advisor look like? Um, You know, I probably have some ideas, but I'd be curious to know, like, who's you know, your average client, where are you seeing the most interest? Where, where are you seeing challenges? Um, uh, well, obviously you're going to see the, the most pushback at the wirehouse level, right? They, yeah. They're always the last ones to come to the party. Um, the, the, the newest adopters and the ones that we see the most attraction with is in the RIA space. Yeah. We do have quite a bit of uh, interest in the uh, independent space. Um, we're looking at Wedbush right now. Rockefeller's already reached out. We've got nice. LPL. We, so there are some some good sized shops that want to do business, especially in a risk managed uh, sure. in a risk managed way, right? That that that's just a different game changer, right? It just yeah. hey, this is a this is a way that we can limit our risk but allow our clients to participate in an asset class that they've been demanding. Um, so I would say that our typical client right now is RIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Typically, you know, they started out being a little bit more on the crypto side. That is changing. Here, here's the thing, and I'm sorry if I'm going too long into this, but oh, no, you're good. What I, what I discovered um, through my, you know, I started going down the crypto rabbit hole after Josh, certainly, but I would say that I got really interested in 2017, and you know, just kind of picking around financial advisors' heads. You know, what what do you think about this? And almost uh, to a person, it was originally, oh, this is for drug dealers and, you know, just poo-pooed it, right? And then it became, oh, gosh, this this actually can have some legs, right? And that really became uh, a monetary theory conversation, you know, a lot lot along the lines of like Robert Breedlove, et cetera. Um, You know, our our monetary policy is not set up to continue to print money, especially after this COVID thing that really kind of caught on. the problem that they had is that they only had one way to access it, right? And that was through, and that was maybe GBTC, right? That was the only way, and that was very inefficient, as you well know. Yeah. Or you and just so, your clients on it, and then there yeah. was the problem, right? That that was that they were having to send money out the door. Um, what, there was a recent study that that came out. I forgot who did it, but I'm sure you might be aware of it. Seventy percent of U.S. citizens own some form of crypto. Yeah. So that means that seven in 10 of your clients, at least at a minimum, probably more, um, since they are the asset holders in the United States, yeah. own some form of crypto. And that's away from your uh, your assets under management. Yeah. 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 That's a problem. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, really, I think only in the last like couple of years, you know, with institutional practices and businesses getting stood up of people even been able to offer these types of solutions to advisors. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So you had two options there, right? You either told their, told your client that was interested in it, that they're nuts for being interested in it yeah. and tried to keep the money, keep the money there. Right. 
Yeah. Or you said, hey, go do this on your own and good luck with that. Yeah. Neither one of them are great solutions, right? Um, you know, telling somebody that this is gonna, is a dying technology, that, that just simply isn't true. I mean, yeah. th this is here to stay. I think we all, in particular, we're a Bitcoin first firm. But, you know, there are some, some Ponzi schemes out there that which is why you have a manager, right? You know, there, yeah. there were lots of those in the late 1990s and 2000s with the internet, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, this is, this is uh, it was good to have a good washout, but yeah. we do see that the winners will be here. Um, there are lots of use cases that are still yet to be determined. Yep. Um, but again, that's why you have a really good manager to do that. Um, we think that we've got a very good solution in the sense that, you know, we can manage some of that risk for you and get you out times when it's not time to be in. Yeah. 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 Um, Josh, maybe for you, like, since you're on the research side, like, what would you say is, you know, unique about what you guys do relative to other shops? And maybe, I mean, take this wherever you want. It could be thematic. It could be, you know, your process around risk. It could be whatever. But what what's you know, your guy's secret sauce. Why, why choose Valkyrie over some other person out there? Yeah. I think what makes us interesting is we are, we have this, like, you know, we're not oil and water in a sense, but we are very much, <laughs> very much, very much TradFi. Yeah. Our Guggenheim folks are very much TradFi. Yeah. Our CIO is a little bit of both. He's TradFi and crypto. Mm -hmm. um, but I am like almost strictly crypto native in a sense. So yeah. It's it's each each side of the house is educating each other on you know why we need each other yeah. <laughs> um, and why we're here right for sure uh, and from from the risk perspective what that looks like is um, on the tradfi side we're focused on macro we're focused on the Fed we're focused on CPI which is Thursday yep. uh, yeah all these economic that'll data. be a big number <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um, we're focused on that in ways that I'd never been even understood or thought about um, up, until, sure. up until last year. Um, M2, money supply, right? All this stuff that's very much TradFi. Um, and then on the other side of it, it's it's us going into these protocols and seeing, okay, who's using this stuff? How are they using it? What are they using it for? What's going on on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, yeah. What are these, are there, is there any activity on any of these chains? You know, that sort of thing yeah, yeah. from a crypto level that I'm looking at. Okay, and then and then on top of that, um, I'm also big into tactical analysis. So, okay, I spend a lot of the time um, on the risk side. Again, sort of figuring out, okay, is this a risk on or risk off scenario based on trend metrics, based on uh, all the fun stuff like uh, candlesticks or yeah. chart patterns or you know whatever you name it, soup du jour, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's our value add. That's our unique secret sauce is. Uh, that we are truly both sides of the coin, <laughs> so to speak, right. where yeah. we uh, we're we're both tradfi and crypto, and understand okay. it deeply. You know, a lot of our guys, like uh, Aaron mentioned from Guggenheim, um, the my boss, the head of ETF, head of portfolio, Bill Cannon. He was at Guggenheim for 16 years. And I didn't even realize um, that he was there that long. I mean, we're talking about deep deep experience um, on the tradfi side of things. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so where, where does all that kind of, like maybe give me some examples of how that has been unique to you guys, right? Like, is there like maybe a specific product offering you guys would call out or maybe 
like some war stories that you guys could highlight, but like where, where is this unique sort of like oil and water analogy really played out well for you guys over the years? Uh, Josh, I'll, I'll let you speak to a specific example of how you guys made um, uh, some decisions. I'll answer that question at the broad view. Um, right now, we pretty much are the only game in town when it comes to risk management. You know, okay. there, there are a few other way. you know, you've got like Bitwise and they've got like their, their Bitwise 10, which, yeah. you know, 10 tokens. Um, or you can just buy Bitcoin. Each of these are long only strategies, right? Yeah. Arc came out with theirs and it's a version of the Bitwise 10 and, and long only Bitcoin. Um, the only other competitor that we've got out there would be Franklin Templeton and they're a long only strategy too. None of these take into account um, the ability to actively manage and, and reduce risk. So okay. that, that's our, that is our unique value added proposition. And we think okay. that, especially for financial advisors that don't want to be in the, in the tunnel every day, you know, in the trenches every day, trying to figure it out. Yeah. We offer that turnkey solution. Now, as far as, you know, individual stories to that effect, I'm going to let Josh, Josh, go ahead and yeah. give some analogies to that. Yeah, so an example in July uh, is a good one because the question is like, okay, if, if we're bullish or if we want to add risk, um, how do we thread that needle between what's going on with the Fed, what's going on globally in geo geopolitics, uh, stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. Um, you know, so as an example, on a week to week basis, um, I'm looking at this stuff all day, every day, but on a week to week basis, <laughs> we, we uh, you know, we're looking for, is there strength and weakness um, on chain, which to me is what I consider fundamentals. Uh, okay, sure. Of, yeah. The, the token, right. Are people using yeah, this yeah. stuff more or less compared to last week? Right. Yep. That sort of helps tip off. Is there a bias here? One way or the other. Um, and then with that, I, like I mentioned, the technical piece uh, is critical. So, you know, if, if, Steven, our CIO, right? If he's like, <laughs> like super bearish because, because the Fed, because of CPI, we know CPI is going to be hot. We know uh, yeah. inflation is sort of this runaway train at this point in time. Yeah. Um, so we, we know all that, right? <laughs> and then it's like, okay, I come out and I say, you know what? This, this opportunity, this specific trade setup looks bullish. Uh, how do we navigate this, this minefield, right? Yeah. To, to get around like the CPI print. How do we actually trade that uh, from a risk perspective? You know, so it's it's literally like this week we do this. These are the targets. These, this is the setup. Here's where we add. Here's their stop loss. Right. You know, just mapping out the entire trade around uh, macro and around upcoming uh, CPI print, um, along with FOMC, along with whatever else is going on. Right. Um, that's like a micro example of of what's happening now. Sure. Uh, longer term, it would be. Uh, you know, if, if, if trend were in one direction specifically or the other, it'd be a lot easier to say, okay, we think this because this, uh, right now you could argue volatility is declining. Uh, we're sort of building into looking for a catalyst. It's always interesting how, yeah how volatility just goes to zero and then something happens. It's like, oh, of course we did this yeah. because of this, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, like CPI on Thursday, right? We're at this key level right now. And it's like, okay, if we break 18.5 or 19, whatever we're at now. People are going to say, "Oh, it was CPI," right? And that's fine. But at the same time, the market sort of needs needs a nudge, one way or the other. Sometimes when nothing's going on, but it's it's knowing what to look for in the macro sense and knowing how to navigate that um, in an, in tr in actual trading and execution. Um, that is so how we're going to be navigating. 
the would you say product. would you say most of your guys' stuff is kind of developed with that macro sort of lens, and then it's navigated? It would sound like using some short term stuff along with you know your valuation points, whatever they are. Um, I am curious, like if you like, do you do you get into any other types of things? Like, are you looking thematic, long term, and things like maybe like the metaverse or like how how else are you guys viewing these markets and these investments? Yeah, there are certain, you know, taxonomy breakdowns. You can say this is uh, digital culture or this is uh, metaverse or meme coins, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, our focus for, for the risk managed products is mainly layer one um, okay. blockchains, meaning yep. these are blockchains that you can build stuff on top of, not yep. something that is built <laughs> yeah. for something else, right? Ethereum, Cardano, et cetera, yeah. Right, Bitcoin, yeah. Ethereum, Solana, um, chains like that. Yep. So that's that's our focus yep. for these products. Maybe down the line, uh, you know, I, I, I can see a world where there's room for some sort of DeFi risk-managed SMA or there's this metaverse digital culture SMA. I think it's way too early for that stuff. Okay. I think it's great. I think it's great that ARC is like playing playing the game with that. Um, yeah. I saw them come out with uh, a similar uh, SMA product, um, not risk managed, but you know, I think it's, I think it's a little too early for that stuff. Um, okay. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, it really sounds like you want to be where people are for sure just using it, like where there's a proven use case, right? So like people are for sure building on Ethereum, for example. Right. And the ways we can look at that, we can say, okay, are there developers here? What is the development activity? Specifically, we can look at GitHub commits yep. or GitHub activity, right? There are ways of quantifying this, even though it's, in, it's not perfect by any means. You know, you or I could be technically a developer. You or I could go in and yeah. make these commits, right? Not that I'm, you might be amazing. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I could, I could, Josh, I could maybe do like hello world, but that would be like okay. the extent of my coding capability. Yeah. So, like, but the point is like you have to be careful if when you're when you're even analyzing this or digesting this information like trying to understand you know quantity versus quality type of stuff but these are all metrics you can definitely look at and like for example active users on a on a decentralized application i saw an article this week from coindesk about the central land which is like this meta oh, yeah. play yep. has like less than 100 daily active users or something um and it's just it's, it's like uh the, the metaverse is a novel novelty i feel like right now right yeah yeah uh, and, and i wouldn't want to invest in that i wouldn't want to put people's money into that right i wouldn't want to draw attention to something that uh isn't quite it still needs to be baked in the oven you know as far as what this is and what this is going to be sure uh, i think it's exciting i think it has potential but the valuation does not make sense with you know actual use case in that in that regard for, for a lot sure. of those projects Okay. So I think it's early days for that stuff, but yeah. Yeah. So what, what does, um, like how, how does Valkyrie control process then? Like, how do you, how do you make sure that you guys kind of, you know, stick by your, whatever your fiduciary role is to your clients to make sure that, you know, the research process is tight. This makes sense. We're sticking to our values. Like how, how does, how's the team set up to handle stuff like that? Yeah, so we definitely have guardrails in place as far as what we're able to to trade, uh, the amount of risk we're able to take, um, what we take into consideration as far as um, valuation metrics for tokens. Like I said, there's 
there's what uh 2000 plus tokens at least um and if we like take the funnel and narrow it down and sift it through we say okay these are the the 10 realistically or less five to ten let's say that are in our investable universe okay uh, bitcoin being yeah top of that list obviously um but we're not just going to throw money at you know <laughs> yeah any any new meme coin any dogecoin clone any, anything like that <laughs> That'd be silly so would you, would, would you guys kind of this is kind of like a really simple analogy would you say like you're kind of like almost a value manager i guess of crypto assets it doesn't sound like you're very out on the edge as far as what's this crazy new DeFi protocol and blah 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 yeah, I think again for the risk managed stuff on Gemini or whichever platform uh, we end up choosing, um, there's there's limitations set even at that level as far as what what we have access to. Um, yeah. Whereas like our DeFi hedge fund, now they they are completely uh, you know they're in the deep end of, of <laughs> as far as like the the yield stuff that they're doing or the protocols they're involved in. Um, deeply understanding that stuff is a completely different game than yeah you know, trading layer ones on, on Gemini. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so from that sense, you know, we don't touch, um, in these products anyway, we, we wouldn't be touching some crazy risky, uh, coins relative to the entirety sure. of, of, of crypto. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, you know, going back to just, you know, your traditional advisor, they don't want you doing that, right? I mean, they, they oh, kind of yes. want you. You know, let, yeah. I think Bitcoin's risky enough, and then you yep. take me on to Ethereum or any other, you know, top ten coin. You know, you're stepping really out the risk curve. Um, we're trying to to eliminate a lot of that. Now we do have products that you'll be able to get there with if you want to go sure. down that hedge fund role. But you know, you're. I'd say eighty percent of our flows are going to be in Bitcoin uh, or Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Okay, yeah, makes makes sense. Um, one thing okay. I've had- you know, go ahead, Josh. No, I was just gonna say another thing about us, which I don't I haven't worked at many firms who, who do this, but um we have we have daily meetings about our positioning, surveillance. You know, the other day there's something happened with Binance Smart Chain where it froze, they had to halt it because yeah. of a, an error. And you know, we had this discussion internally, like, okay, is this price averse? It was, what are we gonna do? We we, we would have reduced our positioning had we had more position on for BNBs, the token, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, this was like happening at 7:30 p.m. EST. It's like, okay, we, yeah. we need to get together and figure this out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's 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 literally a 24-7 uh you know it's, it's a baby in that sense, right? It yeah. requires constant monitoring. Um we have weekly committee meetings, weekly uh portfolio management meetings. So we're just we're just constantly um in the trenches in that regard. Yeah, I've heard that from a couple other asset managers that I've talked to is just the fact that it is 24-7 legitimately. You know, yeah. there's, right. there's no Christmas, there's no 4th of July. It's trading <laughs> whether you like it or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know, as far as portfolio positioning, though, you know, there's some really interesting stuff that, you know, most of the advisory committee does... They just don't know that because what's the immediate thing that comes to mind when, you know, when an advisor thinks about crypto recently, it's been, it trades like the NASDAQ, right? It's a yeah. risk on asset. That's not necessarily true. 
you look at correlations over time, they're actually fairly low, 0.2 to 0.6. So yeah. fairly, and they can even go inverted. So that you can even get negative correlation. Well, the other thing happened? is... It, I was just going to say Bitcoin's held up pretty good the last uh, month, call it or so, right? That's right. right. We're, we're actually starting to see that decoupling. And that, by the way, is more the historical norm, not the recent. Um, and you could blame a lot of that on you know, monetary policy and just this flood of money going into all different sorts of assets and lifting them up. Um, but if you look at, you know, over time, what if you did, you know, a 1% up to a 10% allocation into Bitcoin? Or yeah. Ethereum. What does that do to your overall portfolio? And more importantly, what does that do to your overall risk? You would probably think that it really takes your risk up, but it also has a commensurate amount of return to go with that. Um, I've got the analysis to show you that if you just did a simple quarterly rebalance, your risk hardly moves. Yeah, Your drawdown goes from just straight S&P to a 10% holding in Bitcoin it actually moves by 1%. And I, I know this is an audio only, um, yeah. but if, if you want to see that information, you know, either, you know, reach out to yourself, you can email us. We'll be happy to get you that information. But For sure. I mean, I've got, I've got it on, you know, Zephyr type charts that just show you. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm, I'm just looking at one right now. So if you would have gone all the way back to 20, this isn't cherry picking times. This is actually all the way updated through the end of last month. So the crypto winner. If you'd have gone from just a straight S and P 500 from July 1st, 2019 till last month, your cumulative return was 41.05%. Your annualized return was 11.64. Your max drawdown was 33.9%. If you'd have add 10% Bitcoin, I think that's on the high end, right? Um, we, we go 1%, 2.5%, 5%, 7.5%, 10 I'm just doing this kind of highlight, you know, you just took you know, your 10% exposure, which is the highest we're showing here. Yep. Your cumulative return jumps to 63% from 41 to 63. So pretty good jump, right? I take you, it. Your annualized, your annualized return jumps from 11.6 to nearly 17, 16.99 to be exact. But your max drawdown moves from 33.9% to 34.28. That, you know, those were the kinds of things that kind of shocked me. I was like, how's that possible? How's that possible? And the, and the simple the simple reason is, you know, it's the quarterly rebalance, the risk management factor. Um, you're able to dollar cost averaging into a, an asset class that has a lot of alpha to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I remember you sharing that when we spoke offline, Aaron, and I was like, oh, wow, that's. That's pretty compelling. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm trying not to see through rose tinted glasses here, but um, yeah, the numbers uh, stood out. So if anyone's interested, uh, like Aaron said, you can reach out to me or to uh, um, Aaron at Valkyrie and he'll be able to get you that in- insight. Um, yeah, I think the uh, hardest question <clears throat> that people are trying to like grapple with is what is this thing? How do we size it? you know, what is the risk, right? And exercises like that help you figure out how do we harvest the gains? How do we prevent, you know, mega drawdowns, right? Um, So quarterly rebalancing has been effective over many, many years now. Um, And you can look at the 2017 bull run. You can look at the 2020 bull run. You can look at older uh, stuff as well. Um, 
And it's the quarterly strategy like that has done really well to, to help prevent the drawdown and harvest those, those wins. I'm, I'm curious. You know, what, uh, uh, go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I might be going in a different direction here. So go, if you had something to say, Aaron, go for it. I, I was just going to say, you know, I was going to get into taxes. So I was going to take us down a different road. So oh, what sure, you yeah. with your question. Oh, well, no. I, if you want to go taxes, let's, let's go for it. That's obviously, um, we've got $80 billion in the IRS agents. So Amen. <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't wait. Can't wait for that. Um, I, <laughs> I think that you know one of the unique things that most financial advisors don't understand is there there is no no wash sale in crypto currently. So you can harvest those you can harvest losses immediately and go back in immediately. Yeah, um, and that also can be now again. I, this will not last forever. I think the day that you get a spot ETF um, is the day that this goes away. So I wouldn't build. Yeah. You know, hopes for this is a multi-year strategy, but for the time being, and I, I do think you're at least eighteen months, maybe maybe a little bit longer from this uh, going away, that you have the ability to also incorporate this into tax loss harvesting. Yeah. Um, so just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, there are some platforms that actually allow you to do it um, instantaneously. Um, so, it, so. How, uh, how do you guys report taxes, I guess, for the investments that you guys run? I, I suppose it's going to differ based on whether it's SMA or the actual hedge fund or, you know, ETF or whatever, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. You're looking at, at, at everything is reported um, on the SMA side through, through Gemini. So they're going to send okay. a 1099 at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, on the ETF side, same thing, getting a 1099 on the hedge funds. Um, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's a K1. Is that right? That sounds right, but I'm not 100. Yeah, I, I I'm think not that, a tax I'm advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a K1 again. In, in yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, and there's no tax advice on this podcast, so don't do any of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I wanted to kind of just kind of get like a general sense of what you guys see for maybe something a little more philosophical, like the advisors that you work with, the people who are coming to Valkyrie, like. What is what take do they have, if any, on just kind of, you know, Bitcoin maximalist libertarianism, my money, my rules type stuff? Or do they care? Is it more just an asset allocation and my clients are asking about it? Good question. Josh, you want to take that one first? You want me to take it? Yeah. I mean, the people that, that I've interacted with are certainly a mix of both. The early adopters have been more libertarian leaning that I've noticed yeah. um, the, the people who are informed about crypto and digital assets and why they're here and what they're here for and how this thing was born out of the 2008 financial crisis. Um, and you know, where, where the fed is with everything and how we've printed more money than we can sort of inflate away at this point, <laughs> you know, all that, all that stuff that's going on. Um, I think people are becoming more and more aware of that. You know, even yeah. myself, who I was here, like drinking the Kool Aid, right? Thinking, okay, yeah, this is that that stuff's never going to happen, right? And yeah. here we are, a couple a couple years later, and all of a sudden, Bank of England's buying their own bonds that they're printing. Oh yeah, from, you know, like it's just yeah, it kind of like kind of kind of takes your breath away and you think, well, what's going on? You know, you take a step back, and I think I'm glad this technology exists where. I can opt out and say, you know, I don't want to be a part of that system. I, I can just 
peacefully protest in a different way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and participate <laughs> in, in uh, with Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, so there's certainly a mix of people as far as who they hear, what they're here for. Uh, obviously, the 2021 bull run brought a lot of people, brought a lot of eyeballs. Anytime yeah. you see our performance relative to traditional finance, you're going to get um, a lot of eyeballs around that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaron, did you have something you wanted to say there too? Uh, yeah, I, that's actually how I got involved. I mean, it, it was, you know, kind of coming from a, a macro background at, at, at Guggenheim and, you know, we used to think that we were over indebted pre COVID crisis, right? So yeah. you know, the high yield bond market was, uh, you saw what happened in 2018 when we just tried to raise rates just a little bit, you know, market just absolutely puked. And um, that was kind of the the telltale. And then we, this is the first recession in history. That's a long time in history that we've actually increased leverage in a recession. So, you know, now you're, you're hiking rates and you're doing QT into a, a slowing of the economy. And that's only going to exacerbate things. So, you know, you're starting to see the, the cracks form, especially in Europe. Um, there's going to be likely a default, you know, at, at a sovereign nation. Um, you, crypto solves a lot of those problems, especially for, you know, the, the local people there. Yeah. Um, that, that likely feel that their government is mismanaged, um, both uh, fiscal and monetary policy. In addition to that, though, I did a lot of traveling when, when I was, you know, in a different life and many, many years ago, but I got to see some of the poverty around the world. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that crypto sets up um, a banking system for the unbanked that, that could be billions of people. So we, we kind of get into more of a, 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 you get into a discussion on, you know, what, what's really good for the whole world and, and that, you know, you get, some people want to take that to a green and, you know, Hey, you know, uses a lot of energy and all that kind of stuff. I, I tend to say, Hey, you know, you can change people's lives by pulling them out of poverty. And that's yeah. ultimately going to save a lot more lives. Um, if they don't have to, you know, wait for uh, a corrupt banking system, um, which many of them are in some of these poor countries. Yeah. I, you know, I, my background was, I mean, I've been in wealth management since college. I started at Morgan Stanley in Merrill and I was, you know, even in all my time doing that, I never really like the idea of where money came from and how it's manipulated really didn't surface to me until maybe, I mean, 2015, somewhere in there. I don't know. Like I started to kind of pay attention a little bit to the Fed with all the, um, you know, uh, TARP and all that stuff and QE rolling out and everything. And like i guess i've just been surprised about the lot like what i can kind of see in the advisory space day to day is um i don't think a lot of people really actually know how our monetary system works right like 100 like and I've, I've just i think been just a little shocked that so many you know advisors who are all fiduciaries essentially these days like you know there there seems to be almost this unwillingness to see it in a sense for some of them right and there's a reason for that because it's worked in their in their favor for the last yeah 40 years right um and and so almost everybody that's in the business right now has benefited from that monetary policy yeah declining interest rates a wealth effect that's actually grown because 
and now you could argue that the middle class has disappeared and there's numbers to support that. Um, but you, you've gotten this lift of asset prices, which is obviously what we get paid on. Yeah. Um, and so there has been this kind of a blind eye to it because it's getting me paid. So therefore I don't yeah. really want to know the sausage, you know, just make the sausage. I don't want to know how it's made. Um, the, the problem with that and where I think that this really has a, an inflection point is when that starts to work against you. Well, and it's so, against you fast. <laughs> exactly. That turning is going to be um, pretty rapid. And, and, and so when that printing of money no longer is helpful to companies because now inflation is actually greater than the amount that I can inflate prices. I don't have any you know, pricing power to offset that. Now, you could argue that inflation is going to come down. We're going to be able to, to meet that. We'll see. We'll see, but Bitcoin actually does provide you a limited monetary supply, can't be controlled by anybody. Um, and those those are factors that you probably want to pay attention to much more than you have the last 40 years uh, going forward. You know, Robert Breedlove is somebody that, that I follow. Josh, Josh likes him too. Um, he, he, he says, now this is, this comment, you know, is designed to be headline grabbing. So take yeah. it with the greatest salt that it's worth. Love and that, that is that <laughs> inflation is inflation is theft, but counterfeiting is illegal inflation. Yeah. And if you think about that, he's actually right. You know, every dollar that you print is an added added dollar to the money supply. What is counterfeiting? It's just an illegal version of that, right? But it does the exact same thing. Yeah. Adding additional money to the money supply. Yeah. Right? Diluting everybody else. So that's controlled by what is it like 12 governors right or how many mm -hmm. yeah, 12, 12? Yeah. Yeah. unelected by the way unelected. yeah 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 <laughs> um yeah i i mean i'm sure you guys saw it too the uh the un leaning on the federal reserve recently about inflation and how it's causing some serious cracks globally right um, well it's that that old milkshake theory right um i don't know if you've heard of that, but essentially it's, you know, the U S dollar can be made to as a wrecking ball to everybody else simply because, you know, it really came out of a movie. It came out of, uh, Josh, you remember the, na the name of the movie? There, there, the, there will be blood. There will be blood. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. Daniel day, <laughs> Daniel day Lewis. Exactly. Right. He, he basically his next door neighbor was trying to sell him the land and said, you can, you can come and drill all the oil underneath here. He's like, I don't, I don't need to buy your land. I just need to put a straw in under mine and suck all the oil out from yours. Yeah. <laughs> and that's essentially the milkshake theory in currency. Yeah. And that is our dollar becomes so strong that yours becomes so relatively weak that you're forced to default. I mean, that's kind of going on in Europe right now. In addition to, you know, the, some really bad energy policy. Yeah. Then they throw on top of it. Um, now a declining euro, or you know, in the UK, you know, oh, yeah. didn't, also didn't, didn't the pound declining pound, parity? but it did. It actually dropped yeah. below parity. Yeah, which and is so, nuts. <laughs> but so that adds another twenty percent tax on. And by the way, commodities are priced in dollars. So oh, yeah. not only did your energy bills go through the roof, but now they're also a twenty percent tax hike because you're a weaker currency. Um, that's not unique to Europe, by the way, but no, it's, they're, they're the easiest one to point out. 
it's just, I mean, as we kind of have this conversation and it feels arm's distance, I, I do kind of wonder how close that gap might get, right? Like, you know, being in the U.S. is definitely the best of the worst, but I wonder, you know, hopefully it's not horrible because a sovereign default, like we talked about earlier, is not a good scenario. Mm-mm. Not so. good for anybody. Yeah, well, yeah. The big, the big thing to watch in that front is definitely the LNG arb that you can do from the United States to to Europe. Um, the arb was so big, even a few weeks ago, that you could basically pay for the entire tanker in just selling the contents of LNG is liquid natural gas. For yeah, yeah. not aware. Um, but so, you, so you could produce it here, sell it in Europe, get back the entirety of the of the tanker. Um, that's how profitable the arbitrage was. So oh, wow. that's only that's only going to push up our prices here in the U.S. You know, for it's sure, just, it's definitely uh, not just an isolated issue when it comes to energy policy like that. So, what do you guys think? Six months, a year down the road, like what? What's your take? How are you guys positioned? You know, so like one thing. One thing I did want to ask is, you know, you guys say you manage risk pretty effectively. Is that just getting out? Or are you taking shorts? Like what is, when you manage risk, how how are you doing that? Yeah. So for the SMAs, it would be moving to cash. Yeah. Uh, That's in that case, that would, that's what that means. Um, Not immediately, but down the road, this is definitely something people have been asking for with the SMA stuff is, can we get yield on the cash? Can we be in treasuries or something? Can we uh, get yield on the crypto as well? Yeah. Um, This is available on Gemini. Um, directly but not in sma products yet so ah, okay. stuff like that is stuff like that is coming um, yep tbd yep not not here yet um and as far as when you know when we talked about risk off um our cio again like the macro side of the house was talking about risk off in october uh 2021 so yeah. <laughs> and we've just continually been um risk off or leaning risk off so long as the fed has their foot on the pedal, you know, to raise hikes, so long as CPI is high, you know, whatever the, the economic data is being produced is telling you the Fed to do. But, um, you know, there's really, it's really going to be hard to reverse course. Now, like you said, over the past couple of months or past couple of weeks, I guess, we've decoupled a little bit uh, on the Bitcoin side of things from, from legacy. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to see more of that. I'd love to see more decoupling. And then the narrative starts to shift from, Bitcoin's 90% correlated to S&P to, uh, whoa. Bitcoin's Bitcoin. a store of value in the worst financial crisis of the last 100 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's possible. It's possible like, we get to that point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the Fed is definitely driving all risk uh, right now, for sure. And is, God, that, to me, that's just like so crazy, right? Yeah. Last, 10, last 10 years, it was just don't fight the Fed. Rates are low. Money's free throw something at a wall right and then now now the fed is like hyper focused on just crushing inflation at the expense of it would appear everything and yeah you know to to that point ben i mean you think about it all these people that want a a a fed pivot you know they want they want somebody to be a dove right all you're doing by making that statement is saying i want more fed control in the future you want bigger government, you want bigger Fed, you want them to be able to control monet- stock prices, asset values, everything, 
when they're yeah. supposed to be, you know, the, the lender of last resort. Yeah. Right. And, and so this whole narrative around, oh, well, the Fed's got to pivot, pivot, pivot. I, I, they made a policy mistake to get us here and to take it away now, in my opinion, would be, a, a, you know, especially as a libertarian, you you would go, why do you want them to even have more control? Because that's exactly what you got to give them if they want to do it. But I think the dollar would collapse if they did a big pivot right now. Their credibility is, in my view, at least highly suspect at this point. And uh, but you're right. I mean, Aaron, the market like, you know bad news is good news. We're going to start easing here soon. We're going to, we're going to rip. And I just, I just, I don't know. If you look at where Fed funds rate needs to go versus where it is today, it's like double, right? Realistically, it needs to be at inflation or above. And you could say, yeah. well, CPI is declining month over month. Maybe we will have this soft landing where, where Fed funds meets CPI in like June next year. I don't know. We'll see. That's, that's asking for a lot, but um, so it's, it's like, we need to go way higher than we are. And we don't even think we can do that realistically because of our own debt payments, let alone all, the, all these other sovereign defaults, right? Uh, it is just a giant mess. Yeah, it, it, it just really is. And like when this conversation gets uncomfortable because where do you go, right? Like, I, I don't know, I think we're kind of fast approaching a point where you can't kick the can down the road anymore. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe like people listen to podcasts, listening to their advisors, maybe certain cryptos, Bitcoin probably being the big one is the escape valve for total destruction. Who knows? Um, it seems daily almost you can make a use case that that is going to be the case. So yeah, whether that's Venezuela or Ukraine, you know, there's certainly this utilities escape valve, uh, for many people globally as far as a use case is concerned, yeah. places in Africa, right? Um, where they don't necessarily get a lot of press, but they're definitely using Bitcoin, using digital assets oh, to yeah. escape oppressive authoritarian regimes, right? Uh, or access capital markets in the global sense. Um, but that doesn't yeah. get a lot of press. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't shut down the internet. I mean, you could, I guess, but then everything else stops. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, let's see, guys. We're right, we're getting close to about an hour here, so I'm always shocked at how fast these go. So, I mean, I'm I'm happy to keep going if you guys want. Um, I mean, I I don't know if I have anything other specific. I feel like we covered a decent amount of ground today. But if maybe you guys want to start to wrap it up, just with some closing thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Josh, I'll let you uh, you start first with any closing thoughts, and then I'll. I'll close us out. Yeah, I think things to watch for in the next couple of months, uh, regulatory space in the US specifically, if we get anything about stable coins, that'd be huge. Uh, if we get anything about exchanges, I don't know what that might look like or be, but any sort of regulatory clarity around uh, expectations for, for stable coin reserves, like let's just start there. Uh, that would be great. Um, I would also watch how the market reacts to all this economic data yeah. that's coming out. Um, I know we keep harping on that, but um, what the market does around uh, these, these prints is huge, obviously and for expectations and who's here and what they, they think about when they're here and that sort of thing. Um, and just know that based on previous bear markets, like we are right in line with both drawdown and duration expectations. So 
even though we have the Fed in recession potentially, uh, this is all sort of par for the course in, in digital asset land. So, Josh, you're kind of you're kind of looking for what I'm hearing there is you're looking for uh, uh, a catalyst for a positive breakout in crypto almost in the next six months to a year, like. Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily know what that even is going to be. I certainly didn't see NFTs coming, and I think that's <laughs> kind of kind of silly anyway. But um, that brought people here, and w- brought you know retail here. It brought all sorts of people here that weren't here before. You know, that's what yeah. we need is something that brings people here that weren't here before or understand it in a different way. Whether that's custody and access, whether that's education, um, those are the things that that we're certainly trying to work work on and work hard at at valkyrie for sure for sure yeah i'll I'll, uh, I'll add to that you know everything that we're doing for the you know specifically to the financial advisor community is really around that it's really around education um every product that we that we design is really around you know three main things even even at the etf level if we do get a spot etf it's likely going to be risk managed as well so we'll have to be managed that as well. So, you know, custody, access, education, those are kind of the, the three main tenets of, of the first bullet. The second one is going to be risk management. That is our core differentiator because we do have that, you know, top down, bottom up approach for, um, for these assets. And the third thing is we understand that financial advisors are very busy and they want a turnkey solution. We provide that for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, everyone, if, you want any of those things, you can go to Valkyrie. Uh, what is it? Valkyrieinvest.com. <laughs> go learn more about them. <laughs> yeah, we do uh, daily news briefs uh, on crypto directly to your inbox. If you're interested in learning more about all the news that happens 24-7. Uh, we also do weekly um, market reviews that I put together. And I also do a weekly video that I put together. Oh, wow. Uh, look at you. So all sorts of media for anyone to consume. <laughs> we also have quarterly pieces and, and other thought leadership stuff. But uh, yeah, if you're ever curious about what's going on or what's up with this headline, what happened with Celsius or whatever, right? Uh, you know, just hit up uh, ValkyrieInvest.com. Good stuff. All right, guys. Well, um, anything else or shall we call quits? That's it. He's on the East Coast. I'm good. I'm good. Yep. Sweet. All right. Well, here, let me uh, put a pause on this recording here. And we are out.